0: Christians are those who confess. We confess our sin to become a Christian, to become born into God's family, and then as we walk with Him, we confess our sins. And we looked at that word homo legato, the same statement, say the same thing. When God calls it sin, agree with Him, that's what confession means. Agree with Him, say the same thing. Agree with Him, not only the sin, but the guilt. The penalty the wages of sin is death and the completed deliverance he died and rose again it is finished confession keeping short accounts when the Holy Spirit shows you a sin of any sort confess it
1: welcome to abide in the word with pastor Scott Gilchrist today we continue in our study called the truth shall set you free Pastor Scott brings part five of the message titled, The Truth About Forgiveness. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: The truth, Jesus said, Jesus the one who said, I am the truth, the truth will set you free. We've been looking at truth and it flows, the great truths of the Bible flow from the cross. Uh, I was loving that song. I loved every song we're singing. That one just now, every time that starts, I say, oh good. But I was loving the one earlier where we said, all our riches, all my riches, all my wealth is in the cross. And uh, I I don't know how many times I've been through Romans but it's been home base for me for a long time, but uh, I don't ever remember seeing until a few weeks ago when we looked at the truth about justification from Romans 3 and 4 that the great section there starts in Psalm 51 and closes in Psalm 32. How happy... How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed, how happy, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Deliver me from my blood guiltiness, O God, God of my salvation." Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you don't delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God you will not despise. Oh, Lord, how we praise you that we can come to you and all we have is brokenness and sin and you're the God of forgiveness. And we marvel at this. And along with David, we we praise you. We give thanks to you. We marvel at the happiness and the joy that this salvation, this deliverance, to be forgiven brings. So we ask now that you would increase our capacity as we turn to your word to understand and appreciate the truth, your truth, about forgiveness. Amen. I uh, for the last several weeks have been meditating on the Isaiah 55 that great invitation. Ho! <laughs> Starts out, "Ho! Everyone who thirsts come to the waters." And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me. Listen, that you may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, I love that, don't you? Abundantly pardon. He'll you can't begin to out-sin his pardon, if you will. Or to be so as the liar constantly tells us, not you, not you, not what you did. I don't care what you've done. The Scripture, this is the Bible I'm quoting, this is God's Word. If you're thirsty, come. Come. Listen, that you may live. Come to God. He will abundantly pardon. You don't have any money? Come anyway, without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for what does not satisfy? So this matter of forgiveness, I don't know if we could get to a more central tenet of my salvation. I'm forgiven. I'm clean. Oh, Lord, David said in the 130th Psalm, if you marked iniquities, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There's abundant forgiveness. Abundant pardon. You know, that gal I mentioned uh, in prayer. Uh, the one who led her to Christ said, Read Ephesians. After months of guiding her, you know, he said, Read Ephesians. And she texted back. Wow, I've read it twice now with new eyes. And it's so rich. <laughs> And I was thinking, Paul actually calls it that. You know, you think about a rich portion of scripture, the book of Ephesians, just a little epistle, go home and read it, you know. The unfathomable riches of Christ, Paul calls it, chapter 3, verse 8. To me, the least of all the saints has been given the privilege of proclaiming the unfathomable riches of Christ. And as so many of the epistles do, it starts right there. After that introduction, you know, saying Paul to you guys, basically, then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's just lavished on us. And we're accepted in the beloved. And I remember reading that and even memorizing that and not connecting it with The beloved son accepted, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So verse 6 says, you're accepted in the beloved. He sees you in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Oh, he draws us back to the cross all the time. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions, our trespasses, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Now just pause with me and think it through for just a moment. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses According to the riches, not out of this rich God who says, well, I'll give you a little bit of forgiveness. No. According to the riches, corresponding to how rich he is in grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to, not the... Poverty, not like God has a limited supply. No, the riches. (laughs) It's not like God has, I'll forgive you this time, but you're getting close to the end of the line here. (laughs) That's a lie. God is infinite. The blood of Jesus Christ, there is no measure. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. So he's saying, according to not a finite amount, but don't go over that line. You're, you know, you have 20% battery left. <laughs> and when mine says that, it crashes at about 19. I don't know why. But you know that you get the warning, Hey, eh? You're hitting, you're getting toward the, no, no. According to the riches of his what? Grace. What does grace mean? You and I don't deserve it. <laughs> unmerited favor according to the riches of his grace which he doles out uh -uh, which he lavished on us I mean if that was all we had we could have the truth about forgiveness part three (laughs) we could spend all morning right there where sin Increased, grace hyper-abounded, super-abounded. Romans 5, verse 20. The truth about forgiveness sets us free, liberates us. If therefore the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And yet, sadly, we talked about it last week. Many of us in Christ, Christians, we live and fail to enjoy this forgiveness. We live in guilt. We live in kind of the shadow rather than the full light of forgiveness. Why is that? I was, I was trying to illustrate, and I, I I can't come up with a good illustration, but I thought if your boss said, look, this this trip is all expenses paid. Here's the company card. Use it. Go. Fly first class. Eat wherever you want. Don't be going to, you know, low-class hotels. Go to the best. Use it. We really we have allocated unlimited resources for this trip. What a fool you'd be to stick the card in your pocket and just kind of think, oh, I shouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And pay out of your own pocket <laughs> use enjoy the riches of god's grace why is it that we don't well i think i said it last week i really believe that a big part of it is failure to learn and practice confession of sin we know theoretically we're forgiven of all our sin, but when we sin, we don't admit it. We don't. We. I would. I shouldn't. I. I'm not the kind of person that would do that, and we rationalize it. And besides, and we figure out ways to live a lie instead of the truth. If we say that we have no sin, we're liars. We're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We looked at that passage, First John. Uh, carefully. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And I wanted to take a second run at this matter of experiencing God's forgiveness and enjoying it. If we confess our sins, Christians are those who confess. We are to confess. We confess our sin to become a Christian, to become born into God's family, and then as we walk with him, we confess our sins. And we looked at that word, homo legato, the same statement, say the same thing. When God calls it sin... Agree with him. That's what confession means. Agree with him. Say the same thing. Agree with him, not only the sin, but the guilt, the penalty, the wages of sin is death, and the completed deliverance. He died and rose again. It is finished. Confession, keeping short accounts. When the Holy Spirit shows you a sin, of any sort confess it now today what i wanted to do is give three illustrations from the scripture um, david's experience in the psalms and each one of these is to buttress this matter of not only being forgiven once for all positionally but experiencing that forgiveness on a daily basis So, David's experience in the Psalms, Christ's teachings to his own, to the 12, on the night in which he was betrayed, John 13, and then God's pre-teaching of this in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers. Uh, I already have realized I won't be able to cover all three So we'll have part four, (laughs) just to let you know. I'm organized, sort of. Uh, David's experience. Turn to Psalm 32, the truth about forgiveness in David's life. David uh, was a man after God's heart who would do all his will. Paul states that in his first recorded sermon, Acts 13. David is a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. He's the one who burst into praise, or Paul quoted him bursting into praise after he established the great truth of justification in Romans 3 and 4. How happy is the man whose sins are forgiven? He was a forgiven man. He's a, we would say, in our parlance, we'd say Christian. He he was a man of God before Christ, but he was saved the same way you and I are, just like Abraham was. You can read that Romans 3 and 4, and we have, so I'll just leave it at that. He loved the Lord, uh, but he sinned. And uh, let me, I had you turn and I want you to stay there, Psalm 32, but let me just, read briefly a long chapter i won't read the whole chapter i'll just read the front and the end of it but a long chapter where god didn't cover it over god didn't say oh he's a man after my heart i won't show that part no it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that david sent joab and his servants with him and all israel and david was on a roll the poles were good The kingdom was expanding, everything looked good. We're sometimes most vulnerable to straying from the Lord when everything's going our way. You say, why does God allow trouble in our lives? One reason is to keep us close to him. Have you ever noticed that? We were praying last night as a family about trouble in another family here, you know, and bringing them before the Lord in their crisis medical crisis. You know, God uses things to draw us close to him. Well, anyway, David was in a good position, it seemed. And so he sent his general out, and he stayed at Jerusalem. Now, when evening came, David, instead of being out on the battlefield, was lounging around at the house, at the temple. And when evening came, he arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. David sent and inquired about the woman. And they said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of your crack troops, one of your Navy SEALs, one of your best men, your mighty men, the wife of Uriah? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she'd purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. David's the king. He's skillful. He's sharp. I know what I'll do. Call for Uriah. Bring one of my crack troops back to report in. And he brings him back. You know the story. His good friend. And he says, uh, how's it going out there on the field? And take a little time, rest, go to your wife, have some R&R. And Uriah was such a godly man. And he wouldn't do it when his troops were out on the field. He slept on the porch. then he got him drunk. You know the story. I won't even go into it except to say when he couldn't push this off and cover it up that way, he said, well, Uriah is trustworthy. I know I can do this. And he wrote to Joab and folded it up and sealed it and said, here, take this back to the battlefront. And it was his death orders. When he couldn't cover up sin one way, He ended up sending more, and Uriah, good soldier that he was, took the message, and they went out and withdrew from him, left him out in harm's way, and he was killed, and they had to send message back to David that one of your crack troops died. David said to the messenger, this is the end of the chapter, you can read the whole thing in 2 Samuel 11. Thus you shall say to Joab, don't let this thing displease you. For the sword devours one as well as another. Make your battle against the city stronger and overthrow it, and so encourage him. If, you know, good men die, but we've got to keep on, oh, the hypocrisy, the ugly sin of this. But he, uh, he pulled it off. Now, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. So he moved on, and uh, he was able to, didn't confess anything, that's for sure, Can you imagine the media? No, he just uh, took her as his wife, got what he wanted. The chapter closes. The thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord.
1: You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Truth About Forgiveness, a message from our study of the great truths of the Bible. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide App. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the Sermon Library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: He who has bathed, notice verse 10, needs only to wash his feet. And Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. If you refuse to confess sin, Christian, to the Lord on a daily basis, you're clean. But as you walk through this world, your feet get dirty, mine get dirty. And when we have a thought, if we say, oh, just ignore it. If we have, it'll lead to a deed. It'll lead to, you know, we defile ourselves. As you're walking through this world, if you're indulging lust, don't say everybody does it. Confess it. It's the sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross for you. Confess your sins. And He's faithful and righteous to forgive you your sins.
1: Join us again next time as we continue in our study called, The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott will bring part six of the message titled, The Truth About Forgiveness. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.